Miss Eva Shockey. Hey, how, how are you? I'm good. So um, we usually do these. We always broadcast them from Cottonmouth, but I'm usually talking to Jimmy or Brad or Will or Jordan. One of the boys. Yeah, so it's nice, <laughs> nice, it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. So it kind of worked out perfectly because you killed a deer today. I sure did. Yeah. I'm still in a high from it. I'm so excited still. So first question, and I, I have nothing to compare it to. You can compare it to both. Like how, like down here compared to Saskatchewan, what's... What I you, like how you say Saskatchewan. How did I, how did I say it wrong? How am I supposed to say it? I think you said it just different than what we would say, but that's probably what people down here, how they call it. Saskatchewan. 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 Yeah, it's pretty close. It's a tough one. <laughs> so compare the, from what it's like hunting here to hunting there. Um, generally, it is a thousand times colder in Saskatchewan. Yeah, see, when we were leaving the skin and shed, I walked out and I was... I, 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 Tim made me feel like such a, such a, such a, I don't, I walked in, I was like, man, it's chilly. And Tim's like, chilly, come on. And I was like, uh. He's, well, we're both from Canada originally, and he's, I'm from the warmer West Coast where it's kind of just mild temperatures, but he's right. from the East Coast or Eastern side, and it is cold and snowy and just the temperatures are out of this world low. And so he is used to all the cold weather. I'm not really. So we do go to Saskatchewan and go hunting, and he's sitting in blind with, you know, two layers on. I'm there with, I mean, even here, I was wearing seven layers today, and it's, it's Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's colder there, generally. It's not s- too different. The one thing I thought that was really cool was that we were hunting over a f- food plot here at one yeah. of the stands we are at, and I've never done that before, and, really? which is such a normal way to hunt out in this area, yeah. but I've never hunted here. So I was really excited because I see it on your shows all the time, and yeah. I see it on all these other shows, and I finally got to sit up there and do it. Yeah, it, it's um one funny thing is, so before y'all got here, we saw the weather coming in. We actually had some ice. We're like, you know, it's not going to be that embarrassingly warm. <laughs> When the shockies get here, because we don't wait, because it's, it's, it has been known to be like 70 degrees, and we're like, it's the winter, you know? Uh, and y'all, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we live in North Carolina. My husband, Tim, and I live in North Carolina now, and it stays pretty nice, but as well as here, it's having crazy cold weather out east, and we had a little bit of ice and a little bit of snow, and people out there are going crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's how, because, you know, Ben, you, you met Ben. Yes. Ben, Ben's from Minnesota, and he makes fun of us all the time because if there's, like, anything in the weather that says ice, like, shut down the schools. Yeah, we're, that's the same. Like, everyone goes and buys bread and eggs and yeah. milk, and we're Back like, uh, in Canada, no one would even blink twice about weather like this. But we are not going to complain because we sure like the warm weather. Right, right. So, um, yeah, those food plots, honestly, like, this year for us has been such a huge part of our success. Because, you know, and I don't know, do, do Saskatchewan. Now I'm self-conscious how I say Saskatchewan. No, I think it sounds good. People uh, know what you mean. I, mean, <laughs> I can't even explain how to say it properly, so you're I, you're fine. Y'all even is deer hunting even still happening in January in Saskatchewan? Or uh, no, we're we're all done. The latest I've ever hunted is the last week of November. Gotcha. And they're all dropping their antlers and stuff. They're probably wow. all naked by now. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Huh. They're definitely not running. <laughs> We're yeah, just so, hey, seeing them running here. Yeah, y'all just, saw fighting and yeah, chasing and running. Absolutely. And every, all that. every big buck we've seen has been not chasing hard, hard, but the odd time they'll chase it. Yeah. yeah, way more than you would ever expect in well, that's like middle the, of January. On the flip side, like the first time I got to go hunt in the Midwest. You know, I mean, I'm used to rut being December, January, and they were rutting in November. I was like, this is yeah, weird. That's the same as ours. Yeah, yeah. Ours is like mid-November usually. Yeah, that is nuts. So, yeah, but I mean, I, we're obviously super happy y'all got to come down super super happy y'all killed a buck you killed a buck now tim's getting to hunt and mm-hmm. uh 
Your dad will be here tomorrow. They, yeah, my dad and my mom get in tomorrow night. Yeah. So Tim and I are going to hunt in the day. So Tim will be the hunter. Then my dad will come and Tim will probably hunt by himself, which he prefers because yeah. it's a lot quieter to hunt by himself than with me. He's, yeah, he's brought up that a lot. I know. He doesn't he, love talking in the blind, which is doesn't really work with you me You said very well. he was boring. Tim came over afterwards and like, she talks a lot. Yeah, I talk in the blind because I have a really hard time sitting still. And the only way I can sit still is if you're talking, if you're talking yeah. whispering. I mean, I'm not talking loudly, but I'm definitely. And it's also, we're not in a tree stand. So it's a little different. You're yeah, in a blind. You can like get away with a Yeah, lot, a yeah. little more than in a tree. But Tim still would trade me in <laughs> to go sit by himself in a tree stand. Golly. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm obviously really happy you got to come down. So, um. One of the things I did want to talk to you about is so you had that book come out. Yes. And uh, I was really, I read some, you know, just, just hearing about your backstory. One of the things that, that I'm really, really passionate about and that I, I wanted to use this podcast for is training hunting in the best way possible and not just, not honestly, more so not to just like-minded people, to people that obviously not anti-hunters, but people that just don't know that much about it. That's, yeah. those are the people that, that I like to reach yes. that, that I have the goal to reach. And so your book really, there was two things. There's one, there was your book and then there was uh, a post and you, you shared it. And then I, fo- I followed your brother on Instagram after it was a post that your brother put up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it was about how, I don't want to try to quote it cause I'll butcher it, but it was about I how, know, I already know which one, yeah, yeah, which one so you're about, about how he wasn't a hunter personally, but he still, fully supported the ideas and stuff. I was like, and that, I just really like that. You yeah, know, and I've respected al- hunters right, for what right. we do. Yeah. And I've, and I've always, always appreciated that, you know, the way that, that your family portrays hunting. And so I just kind of wanted, I guess your opinion on that, on like, you know, the, the, the future. I know that's kind of a big yeah, question. Yeah, no, but. that's, I, I totally agree with you. So the book, it's called Taking Aim and it came out this last fall and I did exactly what you're explaining. I was trying to reach people because obviously I'm a hunter and right. a lot of people that follow me are hunters. And I think it would have been just easier to just do a straight hunting book. You know, I could have told hunting stories. I could have got all those people that already are currently following my pages to just go buy it and whatever. But mm-hmm. I really, that wasn't my goal with the book. My goal with the book was to try to approach people that maybe don't understand hunting or, and I think I have a stronger position in approaching them because they see me I'm on the front cover I'm a girl I'm youngish yeah. <laughs> young just turned 30 but still youngish it's young. It's young. <laughs> relatively young you know I'm not that stereotypical midwestern hunter like you right. know one of the guys my dad or whoever so they see me and I think they don't immediately think hunter so they say oh she kind of looks like me she dresses nice she look like looks like a female but she's also holding a bow like what's all this about and so the book really tries to talk to those people it talks to hunters 100 percent. i tell hunting stories i really do i talk about backstories of my family i talk about the journey from how i went from a non-hunter to a hunter and the reasons why i did and how it's for about filling your freezer it's about being outdoors about having a healthy lifestyle and all those elements you're just trying to explain i I walked a very fine line because i didn't want to over explain things for the hunters who are reading it because they obviously understand a lot about hunting but then at the same time i had to explain it in a way that someone if Mm. they've never picked up a gun or never picked up a bow they'll still be interested it won't be over their head and i i've got a lot of comments that i achieved that which is a huge compliment because it was really hard to tell a story that you want all these hunters who i know and who i talk to on instagram every day 
to feel like it's for them and it is but i just i want to spread the word about how great hunting is and how yeah. great we as hunters are doing for this planet and to do that you have to spread it to more people that don't mm. currently believe that and that's that was kind of my goal with the book yeah and i mean and that's why i want i, I really want to talk to you about it because in it it, it's been sitting a lot on my mind lately and it, there was, I don't know if you've heard of Sam Soholt, um, but I talked to him. He was on the podcast last week um, mm-hmm. and he was the one that he really, uh, Sam was talking about the same thing is just trying to portray hunters in a better way. Cause we, we do get some negative press and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he started talking and it was a really creative idea. Cause I've always, I, I just never thought about it that way. He, he just encouraged people to, cause I mean, you know, social media is such a big platform these days Yes, and not just for, a hunting company like Primo's or, or someone like you for even for the individual mm-hmm. that was a very and he everyone said everyone has a voice right and he said he was just stressing the importance of you know don't just post your picture with a deer or don't just post your picture with a pile of ducks post the whole adventure of it the Cause, story because yeah. if you ask anyone if I asked you right now if I, I mean I, is is hunting to you just about killing an animal absolutely to be, I tell people, and I think I even wrote this in my book, that if I could be a hunter, if I could fill my freezer, if I could go on the adventure and have the challenge and the adrenaline of being the hunter and then aim at an animal, click the trigger, and that animal walk away and survive and not, you know, not negatively affect the population and all these things, if I could do that without killing an animal but still get the meat in my freezer mm-hmm. and raise money for conservation and do all those things, I would do that. But you just, you can't fill your freezer unless you take that animal, right. and that's unfortunately the case, but that is such a small, teeny tiny yeah. little bit about the hunt that I personally don't even love that part, but I love yeah. everything else so much. And other people don't mind that part or they like it or whatever, but everyone has their own appreciate reasons why they appreciate hunting. But that is, that's not even really what it's about at all for yeah, me. Yeah, it's such a small piece of it. And mm-hmm. that's what I think, you know, when they see people that just, and then even if you're not trying to do that, but if you just see a post with a, you know, they don't post anything else, if you start, putting stuff and showing the whole adventure which I, I mean i think you do a great job of doing yeah i mean i could get better at it but you know but, i think we can all get better at it but yeah. just as an example i just to show you how much i agree so this is day two of this hunt that we just had today and i got right. my buck tonight but i have all this stuff to tell people about this place and about the trip that i want to tell them and i want to share the story of the adventure before i have the buck down and i do right. have the buck down but we've already experienced all this stuff i was just busy hunting so i couldn't be sharing it yeah. so realistically i'll probably not post the buck for a day or for two days because i want to talk about all the other things and i i know probably a lot of people would jump right to the buck pictures because that's what the ultimate goal is but i'm just as excited to show yeah. pictures of me and tim and lenny out there shooting the bow or you know yeah. us on the ranger or us going up the deer stand and all the different elements of what this is about to really show people how much fun it is and what is involved and not just about the antlers. Cause yeah. that's just not like we we're saying, it's just not the whole purpose no, of what hunting is. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and I think it was, um, I mean, you were, you're obviously, you were doing that some already just on your Instagram story. I mean, there was all kinds of, there was the wood. It's like I said, I may sound redundant cause I've talked on this about this podcast a lot, but that's just such a big deal to me is getting that, message across what hunting really is to yeah. those to those other kinds of people to I think, the people that are on the fence about it and know? i think it's really important obviously someone like me who has a lot of eyeballs on my instagram pages and facebook yeah. pages and same primos and you know people that have built these pages quite large relatively i mean for the industry there's a lot of people that are watching both of these pages that were responsible for running and so obviously i take my posts very seriously right. as far as i know i have it's just my personality and that's what right. i would do anyways but i 
take the responsibility that I I have little girls watching my page. I have people's parents watching my page for their kids. I have people that just don't know about hunting. And, you know, I always want to represent that in a positive way. But on the flip side, I always try to tell people, Joe from next door or Bob across the street or Lindsay down the road, you know, just because you have 30 people that follow you or 20 people or 500 people or 2,000, you know, whatever your number is of friends or Facebook followers or even just out in public, which (laughs) kind of expands past social media. It's your responsibility to represent hunters in a positive way as well, even though you don't have a million people there watching you. But really your post, if you do something that makes hunters look bad it's going to reflect on all of us we're all going to have to deal with it then Mm -hmm. it's just making it harder for us as hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation for animal populations and you know providing for ourselves all the things you and i understand is so important but everyone's responsible for making us look good or not faking it but just showing really what what it's all about yeah that's what we were talking about it's just it's not a it's not a matter of whether a whether we feel that way about it, it's just portraying it the right way. Mm-hmm, you know? Exactly. And um, like I, said, I, I always have just appreciated and respected so much how y'all's family did it, you know, and, and, and I just thought that was incredible. But thank um, you. So the other thing too, that I want to kind of switch in subjects, like the, I thought was, so how in the Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. I can't even the, pick out how I'm saying it differently. It just sounds different. Saskatchewan. I'm sure. Saskatchewan. I don't know. We ought to get Jordan up here yeah. for him to say it. <laughs> I'm sure it would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of different versions, so everyone knows what you mean. Saskatchewan. <laughs> I know. So, because when we were, you know, we had the deer in the skin shed tonight, and we talked about the jawbone and all that kind of stuff. So y'all don't, y'all don't do that up there we don't know we uh nothing like that in our area at least the biologists don't have anything set up like that um i'm trying to think not in the areas we hunt i've done similar things in different u.s states i've done north carolina we hunted black bears and they took the molar or something and Mm -hmm. they took something else they took a couple different things parts of the bear and they had to do the same thing record it and send it in and they came in tried to figure out the populations i think it's wonderful i I don't know that where we hunt has got that far and progressed you know and what the information that they're looking for but i think the more information like that that hunters can help provide because we're doing such important work out there in the field and it's it's really a huge deal for us to give the real numbers this is this yeah. is what we're hunting this is what we're seeing this is in the biologist then take that and can do something with it yeah, i think it's a lot of pieces have to go into play when people are figuring out how many tags you get and it's yeah. i think it's a cool responsibility to have to yeah. we're changing you know changing the world or making it better by doing that little part of you taking the jawbone out and giving it to the biologist right well it, it, what made me think of that is what you were talking about the you know the conservation efforts that hunters doing that sort of thing and that's that's what all that relates back mm-hmm. to because that you know that's all because of our, our dmap program deer management assistance program and um like i said that helps us manage the property because that's how we you know we're not just out here to for the sole purpose of killing deer we see ourselves as stewards of the game out here yeah. you know and, and and there was two instances really um there's that one you know here at Cottonmouth we do that a lot and I don't know why this one came to my head but there was a conservation hunter thing there was a have you ever heard of the the elk herd in West Texas or that there was an elk herd in West Texas no so Earlier this year, um, it was before elk season, Brad called me and said, we're going to elk hunt in West Texas this year. And I was like, there's elk in Texas. I thought it was like, <laughs> like wild. Said, yeah, wild absolutely. No. They, they were, they were, well, they were reintroduced. Okay. They, they, they were, they were native at one point 
And I'm, again, I'm not going to try to tell the story. I would get it all wrong. But they were native. <laughs> rough, yeah, rough details. <laughs> they, they were native. And then they got killed out during market hunting. Mm-hmm. And then they reintroduced them. And But for some reason, they got it reintroduced. And then Desert Bighorn Sheep got reintroduced. And some legislation, all that kind of stuff, the the elk were are not identified as a game species. Hmm. So, and they're only in this one part in the Davis Mountains. And so legally a hunter if you're on that land and you know you can go kill 10 elk a day if you wanted to but they don't all those landowners the elk the elk population out there is absolutely incredible because they're trying to keep them the, the yeah. hunters that own that land yeah manage it and regulate it and so like it was the most un, it was wow one of the most that's un, incredible because yeah. i mean it's managed those i mean obviously you know that you know because the deer management program in Mississippi they do a great job. So states do a great, but in that situation, no one is keeping that population there but hunters. Hmm. And I thought that was incredible. It, it, it re- yeah. I think hunters don't get credit for a lot of the yeah. hard work and time that they put into things like that. And I think also one thing that gets skewed by a lot of people is what managing your deer population is. For example, yesterday there was I'm here on the Primos hunting area. It's all obviously like. No, no high fence or anything. It's just right. they just manage it. They try to get them to be a certain age. They don't shoot them when they're too small. And like I was talking about with a couple of the guys here, not everyone can do that. If you hunt public land and you only have this little tiny piece and the buck's there and you want to fill your freezer, by no means is that worse or better than what the management yeah. program is. But when you do have this area like the Primos guys have here and they're managing it. So last night there was a eight point that came through my stand and he was a beautiful buck like an absolutely beautiful frame beautiful big body but he was i'm pretty sure he was three and a half and i was just thinking i know you guys are care so much about management and i do as well we do it on our ranch in saskatchewan because that's how you get the big old deer so yeah i could have shot that one and then all day today i was thinking did i turn that one down and now i'm gonna go like not (laughs) fill my freezer and all day i was not kicking myself because I knew I made the right choice, right. but you know, it's a hard thing to do to let something walk knowing it's yeah. a beautiful, big, yeah. mature buck. And then tonight, probably a six and a half year old came out and I shot him yeah. and I think his antlers were smaller, but that that's what management's about. It's not managing yeah. only shooting the big bucks. It's managing by only shooting the old bucks. And that, that's yeah. a very, sometimes they end up being bigger. And sometimes in my case, it was smaller than yesterday, but I'm so much happier with the buck I got tonight than if I would have shot that young one. And that, again, I mean, just to go back to it, I mean, if that's not conservation, because it's not only just the the old big ones, like, because the the biologist tells us, like, the three-year-olds and the four-year-olds are what do the most of your breeding. And Mm -hmm. so you're keeping, you know, by killing the older ones like that, you're just doing your deer herd that much better. Yeah, exactly. We do the same in Saskatchewan. We have public land that we hunt on and private and all kinds of stuff. And, I mean, you still... It's hard when you're hunting public to manage because you don't have control. Obviously, there's right. other people, but you still can make the choice to let it walk. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people hunting is about filling the freezer, which it is for it's me. Fine. Honestly, if yeah. I had a freezer that I just got an elk um, a couple months ago. So my freezer is with that and this deer. I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty good for the year for my family. Yeah. But if I hadn't got that elk, I would have, again, I would have shot something meat, yeah. because I needed meat and it, that's what... Hunting's about it's different different things for different people, but I, I love the management program you guys yeah, have. Yeah, uh, we love it too, obviously. So that that is that the elk you killed in Oregon? Mm-hmm. In Oregon, yeah, the Roosevelt. It was actually my first Roosevelt. That's cool. I've gone on a hunt probably five times. I've never got one, so that was a pretty big deal. I'm extremely jealous. I want to go hunt Oregon so bad. It was very cool. I'm from out west. I'm from Vancouver Island, so just north north of yeah, Seattle, yeah. and 
it's sort of rainy and drizzly there a lot of time in the late fall winter kind of early spring and that's exactly what it was like in Oregon when I was hunting so the same I felt like I was right at home it was beautiful most people would probably think it was miserable and gray but I thought it just was the best it was a really really fun experience didn't like didn't Cameron Haynes show up and help pack it out he or something? Did, yeah. That's a pretty, he, he's probably a pretty decent Yeah, help it was pretty it helpful. It was funny because we actually, we left, we were driving um, ATVs or I guess we we're in Rangers or something. Yeah. And we left them at about six in the morning with the intention of just hiking up to a ridge. We hiked like maybe 20 minutes up to the ridge, glassing and then coming back and going totally different area. And we hiked up to the ridge on the, the face um, the mountain just across from us, we found elk herd that was up there. And yeah. this was early in the morning, like right, right at sunrise. And so we were up there. We didn't bring any gear. We had no backpacks. We had no rain gear. We had literally, I was wearing like what you would just jump out of the vehicle oh, with, yeah. jump, jump out of the ranger. And we sat there for like, I think it was eight hours and it poured on us and it was so cold. It was like almost freezing. And it was, I sat there yeah. with my gun and the trigger sticks for i think six hours without moving because my elk my bull was bedded and i knew and he was bedded like right maybe five feet from the ridge so and every every other cow that got up went over the ridge so he literally was gonna get up and walk and i said so everyone else with me there was a camera guy there was the guide there was my friend reza from loophole because i was there with loophole they all kind of got up to warm themselves up went over the little ridge behind us and did like walked up and down the road and you know yeah. got dry or stayed in the sh- in the undercover and i was like i can't do that because if i get up and walk or like he's gonna go he's gonna yeah. go and everyone else has been waiting for me and like there's all these people and obviously i wanted this elk so i sat there pretty much with my eye looking through the scope for six hours Golly. and he finally got up he took one step and i got him and it was it was pretty incredible and then yeah so cam cam haynes is a yeah. friend of mine and he he lives maybe two hours from there and he was texting me saying let me know when you get an elk i'll come pack it out and i was like yeah okay and i kind of was thinking i wasn't planning to do that i mean i'm right. like of course i'm not gonna get you to drive two hours to help pack we have, we're yeah. totally fine and then where i where i got my elk was uh, like down this crazy steep thorny valley up yeah. this mountain and none of us had packs because we didn't come with any of our stuff right, right, right. so i was like cam we actually would love some help and by the time we got over to the elk the guys went back and got the vehicle like the ranger cam was already here and he ended up helping skinny and he, he carried just, more than everybody yeah, he else just throw the whole elk over shoulders he basically walking. he was yeah. he i think he had two quarters which is insane <laughs> like yeah. it's like quadruple my body weight but the, yeah the, he's awesome the first elk hunting trip i went on with primos i was i was like when i came on with primos i was like it was like a that's a story for another time but like i had no clue that it was that gonna happen i was like supposed to start like my senior year of college in like two weeks and then like stuff happened and the next thing i know i'm in new mexico elk hunting and i was like oh, this doesn't sound so bad yeah, it, it sounds wasn't. amazing it wasn't it's just, it's just a, so but i was you know i was like young and trying to i was like i gotta you know show that i'm you know i gotta pull my pull my weight here yeah. so, you know and so they kill uh i think brad shot an elk yeah and we were up this like super steep elevation and they put i think it was it was like a hind quarter and a front shoulder on one pack they were like give it to him and that is yeah, yeah and i just was trying to, i was like oh gosh be cool be yeah, cool be was, cool so you know whereas as i say that where cam probably like put the pack on and just jogged lightly up the mountain without breathing hard. he was it was um very muddy and very steep and very thorny it was really not yeah. very nice and it was black because it was nighttime so by the time we finished getting so he was awesome. Like yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do that with five trips if I carried what he had. But if anything, he was kind of doing a brisk walk, I would yeah. say. And the rest of us were just, I had the 
the rack on my shoulders yeah. which is pretty hard to like stabilize yourself because you have to yeah. hold it with both yeah. hands so i was trying to hold on to prickle bushes or whatever it, we, yeah basically but yeah he made it look really easy and the rest of us were kind of chilling behind but we all got there and it was the best i mean everyone loves cam obviously and he's right. awesome and so incredible and inspiring but the best part about having him there is he was so excited to be there helping which yeah. most people would be you know like oh it's kind of cool there's a elk i'll come help but he was so pumped to be there helping skin yeah, and pack people, out and yeah. it was pouring rain and pitch black and so cold and you're like who would be so happy yeah. about most people this? be like why'd you call me in just to pack it out <laughs> yeah. you're not a real friend yeah, yeah exactly yeah. he was like beyond excited and that just made everyone else so happy and excited which we were anyways but it was just cool to have someone so into the whole like same with what we were saying it's not about the kill it's about yeah. the experience and he got to join in on part of the adventure right. of the hunt without having he he was working so he wasn't obviously on the hunt with us but he still felt like he got to and that was pretty pretty cool memory good guy mm-hmm. which I, good. I don't know i'm just a fan from far away but he yeah, is yeah really, he's really exactly what he's what he seems like on his instagram page this yeah. is what he's like cool well i won't hold you for too much longer because i know you gotta we've been hunting all day and tired and all that but like there is one more question I'd like to ask you. Like, well, kind of two-part question kind of thing. Well, <laughs> Five I, more questions. So 17 more questions. And, that's <laughs> and then it. we'll go to bed. Then we'll, yeah. Uh, so, like, I consider you to be, I think everyone would, like, as far as you're the most well-known voice as far as female hunters go. And, and so, like, where hunting is right now, like, what, kind of a both sides of the question deal, like, what, what do you look at hunting, like, the future of it, and say like what i don't know say what scares you but what is something you say like we should probably we need to work on this you know like as far as um i would say that as far as being the biggest voice i think the cool thing about social media now is there's so many voices and that's so much more important than having one voice that's out there and obviously i'm not just one but i have quite a few people on my pages following me but then so do a lot of people and the all those people add together and if you're all sending the same message of Mm -hmm. conservation family outdoors healthy lifestyle adventure if you're all sending that message out and showing hunting in a positive light that is so much more powerful than just one person getting up there and speaking so i i think that's very important and obviously i'd try to do my best to be part of that voice and that message but there's a lot of other people doing an equally great job or better job that i try to aspire to be more you know do a little more what they're doing or say this kind of topic a little bit more than I normally would. One thing that is really important to me, especially now I have a, a baby. She's yeah. here. She's actually here at camp, which yeah. I think is the first ever baby you've had at the Primo's yeah, camp. She's, yeah, you she, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I said, so, I'll come hunting. I'd love to. And that would be my absolute dream to come with Tim and my parents will be here. But can I bring my baby, please? Because yeah. I don't like leaving her at home. Yeah. Separate question. Have you figured out an exit strategy to get your baby away from my mother? Because I think she's going to have she's a hard time. She's babysitting here. <laughs> yeah, so Lake's mother is babysitting my baby while we're out in the tree stand, we're out in the deer stand. And I think they're best buds because I came home to, to, to take Lenny, and Lenny went to go try to get back to your mom. <laughs> it's I like, walk- okay, that kind of hurts my feelings, but that's actually really sweet that you like her that much. I walked in yesterday, and mom pulled me off the side. She's like, Lake, that is the cutest, sweetest baby. <laughs> 
And I took offense to it. Since you're her baby. I was like, I thought no. I was the kid. She didn't even lead by saying no offense. Yeah. Like <laughs> She's like, yeah, let's just, uh, sorry. But that's <laughs> being a mom now. And I, I still feel like I'm too immature and too little and too young to be that role. But I am. I mean, when you have a baby, you're like immediately yeah. responsible for this little human. And one thing that I would say scares me or at least motivates me to really work hard is that I know that a lot of people stay inside a lot because there's TV and there's computers yeah. and there's internet and there's all those millions of things that you and I didn't have and we're not even that old, but you know, it's been that recent that the last maybe 15 years has been all the stuff that's come out that people really stay under a roof and look at screens. And yeah. I, I'm guilty and you're guilty. We have screens in front mm-hmm. of us right now, but having a daughter and Tim and I talk about this all the time that in 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, like we want her to have the luxury of having the outdoors and the hunting areas and the public land and the ability to go get a over the counter tag and go hunt something or, you know, Mm. fill your freezer with meat, you know, where it came from. And so that's something that's a motive motivator for me because I get scared that 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 generation is going to be so addicted to all this technology and Mm -hmm. we're already addicted and I'm not fighting it because I know it's just a natural thing, but you also need to remember that there's the outdoors and there's fresh air and there's things you can do out from your phone and from your computer or bring it with you and take pictures, whatever. Cause I do that all the time, mostly just to have memories of it, but just get out there and appreciate nature and that's we're gonna make sure our daughter lenny does that and i hope a lot of other people are kind of in the same mindset because hunting will look a lot different in 50 years if that generation just completely stops (laughs) appreciating nature i don't think they'll they'll care about it as much as all of us do well i think as long as we keep people on the forefront of it people like you that portray it and Mm -hmm. your dad that portray it in such a good way i think i think we can leave it in good hands i really do so yeah, I'm not going to hold you any longer. Like I said, no, you're tired. No uh, problem at all. Eva has been hunting for two days straight. And two, whole days. two whole so days. Two whole days People are going to be like, uh, yeah. Two days straight. I'm with the people. Two whole days straight doesn't so, uh, sound very impressive. She's been hunting for 17 days <laughs> But I days have an straight. 11-month-old baby. Does yeah, that make so me throw that in the <laughs> be mix. able to be tired? Yeah. It's, it's fair. It's late in the year. Look, because that's the other thing. You, you, like, we stay here all the time. You travel everywhere. We do, you have, yeah. You have, but that's, we love that. I, yeah. Tim and I have talked so many times because it would be so much easier if I just slowed down a little bit and traveled less. And he just knows I love this life so much. I love hunting and traveling. And you see, it's not, as you saw all the suitcases we came with, it's not easy to bring a baby with you. It's not It's not the cheapest way. It's not the easiest way. I mean, we brought five suitcases because we had to bring her crib and her high chair and everything else yeah. under the moon for this little baby. But I just love being part of this industry and the hunting world so much. And I want to include her in that. And that's the nice thing about hunting. It doesn't discriminate if you're a mom or a dad Mm -hmm. or a grandpa or grandma, or you have no kids or five dogs, whatever you can do the hunting experience still you just have to adapt a little bit at yeah. the different stages it's, of your life and that's where we're at it's like what i told you yesterday like three weeks ago my mom 58 years old killed her first deer ever. yeah that is i love that yeah. that's so cool and i couldn't tell i was like i was like because we knew at that point that she was going to be babysitting lenny and i was like i can't wait to tell eva that mom killed her first deer. like we, she was so excited it was, i it was think hilarious. that is incredible my yeah. mom has never well she doesn't hunt i can't say that i think she ever will she's she supports it, respects it. Like yeah. we were talking about earlier, right. she, we eat it. My whole life I was raised on wild game, but she doesn't hunt. I don't think she has it in her, 
but I would love if she would ever go on a hunt with me. And she's yeah. come along, like, kind of just to be there for the experience. And she loves that part. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what it's all about, that's really, is that's who cares matters. who's shooting. It's just fun to be there together that's and absolutely hike and breathe fresh air and yeah. make memories. Absolutely. Eva, thank you so much for doing the show. You're I'm, we, welcome. Again, so happy that you were successful. Hopefully, because, again, not like you are leaving. Y'all got a few more days. Yeah. And now I just get to kick back and sit in the stand and yeah. have no pressure on me. You just get, now <laughs> you just amazing. get to look at Tim and your dad and go, why haven't y'all killed a deer yet? You guys better make a good shot like didn't, I did. didn't take me that long. I mean, <laughs> I y'all are taking forever. <laughs> Although I took two days. Tim has... Well, now we have three days left of the hunt, so they're they're gonna have to split the three days between them. But yeah, we'll I think we'll get it done. It'd There's pretty fun. incredible animals out here. But again, thank you again. We always I can't tell you how much I and, and we at Primos appreciate how well y'all represent hunting and just enjoy working with y'all. But thank you, thank y'all for listening again. If y'all don't follow Eva on Instagram, you need to. And if you're wondering, she's just as amazing of a person <laughs> as she seems like. She's great. Her whole family's great. So, Thanks, thank you. Leigh. Yeah, that was no a great problem. podcast. Just make my head big. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, again, thank you all for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. As always, if you all have questions or anything, email them, send them in, and we will get them answered for you. Thank you.